When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. When you're thinking about what to make for dinner, do you consider cow tongue, liver, or kidneys? Probably not, but these guts are highly sought after in other countries. I'm Charity Seebecker with the Midwest Farm Report, and Dean Meyer, past chair of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, explains how they're working to create new market opportunities for Wisconsin agriculture. At USMEF, some of the strategies we're using right now to maintain relationships is, uh, first of all, we're broad-based, and uh, we don't don't key on one country. You know, uh, there's inflationary issues and currency issues in uh, some countries, uh, China in particular. You know, we've got... 19 offices around the world at USMEF. We're in 80 countries and there's a reason for that. If if a product doesn't move into one, we can quickly move it to another country. In the cattle cycle right now, numbers are down, as we all know, and that creates a challenge in product. But the shining star in U.S. Meat Export Federation is the variety meats and the underutilized cuts, those that we don't consume here. We aren't taken away from the U.S. consumer. We're uh, adding value to the cuts that we don't consume here. And, you know, whether it's tongues, livers, tripe, you know, kidneys, um, they have no value here, or very little. I was in Japan last year, and a tongue here brings $3. It was on the counter and on the shelf in a grocery store in Japan for $24. And right now, even with Chinese uh, markets down, they're still our number two market in beef because of the variety meats and because of the underutilized cuts. It seems like they're really consistent at continuing to buy them. And in Mexico, too. I mean, Mexico now has taken more primal, but they still take, you know, the beef lips and the tripe. And that's the key is is not only the broad base, but the broad, broad spectrum of products. Um, in pork right now, the loins, you know, have always been undervalued here. So in Japan, in both Mexico and Japan, we're doing promotions on adding value to those loins, making products, creating products that, that we can get more for them. And they're actually becoming very successful. They uh, they got a product called Tenkatsu in Japan that is a sliced pork loin that's deep fried. And, and it's very popular there. And and uh, we're doing the same thing in, um, in Mexico. Uh, we got cooking trucks that go around to different regions retailers and show people how to cook our product. It is very effective on on not only teaching them how to cook but selling the product. You know it's checkoff dollars that support this uh, leveraged with MAP and FMD funds from the USDA and then industry dollars we put in and and industry dollars meaning if we go into uh, Walmart say in Mexico we tell them we want to do promotion they'll they'll match or double a lot of times they'll double them dollars so uh, we can get a 24 to 1 return on checkoff dollars which is one of the highest in the industry and we're we're really proud of that we're proud of how we can um, can uh, leverage our dollars and and are broad-based in multiple countries around the world and with the historically low cattle numbers that were released recently are we still trying to export or how is that affecting things with the low cattle numbers we're we're absolutely in the markets it's so important to stay in the market we're maybe losing some market share because of it because we don't always have the product but the variety meats the underutilized cuts you know we still don't consume them even if we got low cattle numbers you and i aren't going to go out tomorrow and buy livers or lips or or whatever beef lips we're, we're gonna you know we're still need to export 
support those products. And that, that's the beauty of this. And we can even make different products out of them. A lot of our international staff are also chefs. And uh, so they, they get really creative on how to utilize some of these. So to answer your question, we're absolutely in those markets. Um, on the high-end muscle cuts, we're probably going to lose a little bit of market share during this. But it's important to be there because when you're not there, you lose market share. And it takes years to regain that back. In our current global landscape that we've got going on, what challenges or even opportunities are you guys seeing when it comes to addressing some of those factors for our meat exports? I like to start with opportunities. That's always good. I mean, like I mentioned before, we're broad-based. we got a premier product. We're not just grain-fed. A lot of countries say grain-fed, but we're corn and soybean-fed. And they, we've been able to differentiate that in some markets with checkoffs from, you know, whether it's Wisconsin corn or other corn organizations, we're able to differentiate corn fed we put that on the logos over there another thing is in the southeast asian countries we can market fresh product not frozen that adds value that's really the market we want to be in that adds value and uh, we got an abundant supply and then another opportunity is european pork is one of our biggest competitors and uh, european pork numbers have been declining dramatically their exports 15 percent a year so that's given us opportunity in those markets, those Asian markets that they're normally in to get in. As you know, we've got an abundant supply of pork right now, and uh, we're able to get into those markets. That's part of the reason why we're at record pork exports. Challenges? Uh, there's inflationary issues all over the world. I mean, it, it isn't just in this country. There's depressed currencies. Our dollar compared to the Japanese yen has been a challenge the last year, and uh, that makes our product more expensive, obviously. Lower production in the beef cycle, like we mentioned, I mean, that creates issues uh, that we're dealing with. And then uh, this administration's stagnant trade policies. There is no new trade policies. In order for us to market, we need a trade policy and uh, a free and fair trade policy that we can market with no tariffs. You know, we have not had a new trade policy since the I believe it was probably the, the phase one China agreement. You know, I've been involved in this long enough. I've been in countries before we had a trade agreement. I was in Colombia on the shirt tails of, of the, F, the free trade agreement there. And today, Colombia is one of the top five pork export markets. Korea, you know, Korea in 2010 imported zero beef. Two years ago, they became our number one beef export market. So we need trade policies. And so those are some of the challenges and some of the opportunities we have. Are there specific regions or countries that you guys are focusing on to develop some new trade relationships? You know, we, we work with a various number of countries, not only for uh, new trade, but even, even the mature markets. We're in all the markets, but it's important to be in, find new frontiers, so-called. Africa is one of the new frontiers. I mean, Africa has the youngest demographics in the world. It's got a huge population. I think uh, one and a half billion, and by 2050, they're supposed to be two and a half billion people. And they're moving from the lower class. There's more moving into the middle class. There's more tourism there. That's always a key. That's one of the frontiers we're on. And then there's always the more Southeast Asian countries, uh, the Philippines, Malaysia, Vietnam, um, India. India's going to be a challenge. It's going to be, it's out in the future. But um, there's some geopolitical issues there right now. But I think that's going to be an opportunity. And then the, the Central American countries have been coming on really strong on the shirt tails of Mexico, even in South America, Colombia, like I mentioned before, has been a great export market for pork. They're also doing
doing some beef and um, chili also. We've got offices in chili. So, yeah, those are some new frontiers, which we're still very involved in. I mean, Japan, China, Korea, Mexico. I mean, those are really great markets, and we continue and we'll work on keeping them that way. Looking ahead, what do you see as some of the future challenges that U.S. meat exports are going to be facing that you guys are maybe preparing for in the long run? U.S. Meat Export Federation has always been used of challenges. I mean, it seems like there's always a country where we have challenges in. I think, you know, one of the challenges is going to be uh, Brazil, like they've become the number one exporter in corn and soybeans, are also ramping up their livestock operations. And I think, you know, we're, we're starting to see some pork coming from Brazil into Mexico. Mexico is our number one pork market, and, you know, we're having competition come in there. That's one of the challenges we're going to have to deal with. We really are confident we can differentiate our product from theirs. We've got a lot better infrastructure getting our product down there. I just uh, was reading that we have over 6,000 trucks every month of pork going into Mexico. And so that's kind of the infrastructure we got going there. That's a tremendous amount. I think if I did the math, if you put them, if you put them tight together, these trucks, a 72-foot truck, it's like 80 miles a truck every month going into Mexico. So uh, we've got advantages there, but we're, we're going to have challenges with new markets. And, and other countries raise good products, too. You know, Canada does. You know, Europe the European Union does and Brazil will will get a good product and then you know relationship with China is always everybody's concern you know how's that going to pan out um I just met with Governor uh Branstead who was our ambassador over in um China and I asked him I said where are we going to be at in 10 years with China and he looked at me and he said China will always need American food they're always going to need it and it was encouraging to me to hear it from him he's somebody that's had a long-term relationship and he was there we'll always have challenges in front of them but uh, there's always opportunities there's there's a lot of mouths to feed a lot of growing populations and we need to get in those countries as their population grows into the middle class that was Dean Meyer past chair of the U.S. Meat Export Federation He added that with their widespread presence across the world, they're cementing our position as a global leader in meat exports. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.